Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. that ever confirmed that the flames hurt them. And even if they did, what is that for a moment, right? Like just, what is that for a moment, right? Severe pain and a fire, obviously it's horrible, but what is that for a moment? In the next dimension means nothing. It's just more glory for the next dimension. But in Fox's Book of Martyr, time and time again, they say, hey, if we raise our hands in the flame, you know the flames didn't burn us. And people are being burned alive and they're raising their hands to the Lord in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, according to the record of the church in the last 2,000 years. It's worth noting, it doesn't have to be that way. But that's the record of how it is in the Fox's book, in John, uh, I think it's John Fox's Book of Martyrs. One of the most famous books right there, Pilgrim's Progress, the Bible. There's a few that have had that much distribution in human history. We're told in Ephesians, so we're talking about our eyes being open to the spiritual things. And in the context, it's spiritual protection from Ben-Hadad's army. But in looking at our eyes being open. Of course, we're told in Colossians, I have not seen nor ear heard those things that God's prepared for those who love him and his appearing. So, you know, we're, we're asking God to show us things that we don't fully understand spiritually. But I like this text in Ephesians. I thought about this today and meditating on this text where Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, the church universal for us tonight, where he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you in chapter one, verse 16, making mention of in my prayers. So how is Paul praying for us tonight? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceedingly greatness power of his power toward us who believe. Now that's what we want our eyes open to. Yes and amen? I'll just read it again because we should think about this more than once. And I review my notes all the time from books I read, so I'll read it again. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that's the church, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Though sometimes it feels like time, space, and matter is a road game, it's always a home game for the church. Because Jesus is over everything. What that text tells us is from here to eternity, he wants to help our understanding, to open our eyes to understand how great he is and the riches of his glory and all the riches of his gospel of grace and all that he's done for us. That we just be transformed from glory to glory as we meditate upon him and his word and his promises and what he's doing in, his li- in our life. That our hearts will be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving as we go through this journey that we call life, knowing that Christ is on the throne and he's our high priest that ever lives and intercedes for us. And he's got our back in all things. Our eyes need to be open. 
The, the spiritual kingdom requires spiritual eyes, and it's the desire and the will of the Holy Spirit for all of us who confess Christ to understand daily a greater depth of the reality of the angels watching over us, the innumerable witnesses cheering us on, Hebrews 12.1 tells us, and that God is for us to open understanding. WG, body of Christ, see it. Take time to slow it down and see the kingdom. See it. So the next time you just all, everyone arms like, it's been a dad. You just go, no, it's those chariots of glory. That's what we need to see. And it's there for us. And we see it through the eyes of faith. The second thing we see in this text of the spiritual kingdom is to believe spiritually. Faith and belief and trust, they're, they're, they're kind of interchangeable words in the Bible. We're saved by faith. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him with your heart, you shall be saved. We're told to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our understanding. So faith, we're told in Hebrews that uh, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we have an object where faith is a things, substance of things hoped for, that it's not yet seen. So that's what faith is. It's directed toward Jesus. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is this whole element. We are saved by faith. We're justified by faith. We walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Paul said in the Corinthian epistle. So we understand that. And then I, but so we believe. And I say, oh, we're believing in God for this. And if you're believing in God for anything, he promised good for you. And if you're not, then step up your game. Because all the promises in Christ are yes and amen. There's no children of a lesser savior in this room. If we're saved through faith in Jesus Christ, all those promises are yes and amen for all of us. The only issue is whether or not we apply them to our life and believe it to be so. That's the only issue. There's no children of a lesser God in the kingdom of God. We're all saved by grace and that through faith. And all those promises are yes and amen. So the people that live super fruitful lives of faith and productive in their journey, whether it's 20 years, 40, 60, 80, or 100, they do so because they believe those things and they live by faith. They take steps of faith. They stretch their faith. They grow their faith and they go for it with their faith. And some people have great faith because they've learned to live that way. And some people have little faith because they've never exercised their faith. I want to stand before the Lord having gone for it big time. Don't you? See, no matter how old we are or how uh, physically challenged we might be with getting older, our faith can move mountains. We want to be women and men of great faith that believe God. And I've been saying this a lot in the last few years. I want to believe God for great things. And even if he doesn't do it, I, I don't want it to be because I didn't believe he could do it. I want him to not do it because he chose not to do it. But I don't want him to say, like, you know, I didn't believe he could do it. Because sometimes the Lord will allow you to go through things that you're like, no, I thought you were bigger than this. But no, no, there's a plan there. So that's where our faith really comes in because we realize that there was a bigger plan. And we thought the wind looked like this in Jesus' name, but the wind really looks like this in Jesus' name. And by the way, some bad losses always make a big win later on feel even better. In writing my book, which I'm doing right now, I've gone back over events from 1980 to 1983 where everything that could go wrong in the Pipe Masters went wrong for Joey Baran. But on December 17th, 1984, everything went right. And it made it a whole lot sweeter. It's the old ABC, Wild World of Sports, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And if you know the agony of defeat, the thrill of victory is that much greater. 
So we never really lose with the Lord. We might learn lessons. We say this quite often as a former Olympic coach. You learn a lot more from losing than you do winning. I mean, winning feels a lot better. And if you give me a choice on any day of the week, I'm going to say, I'll choose winning over losing. But I learned a lot more from losing than I ever did from winning. And if you learn from losing, it prepares you for winning. So if you can learn from your failures with the Lord or things he allows that didn't seem fair or whatever, but you trust him in it, then you're really being groomed for the greater things. In other words, if there's no excuses and you just keep going on in the game of serving the Lord faithfully, the play's even out, the call's even out. Or as it said, the more I apply myself, the luckier I get. So the more I just trust in the Lord, the more things end up working out for good. God will test us when the call goes against us, a bad call. Someone's like, hey, can we get the replay official on this one? I think that's the wrong call. At work, in the family, whatever. Like, no, there's no replays here. Jesus is king. That call went against you. How are you going to respond to it? But to believe spiritually. It says, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike this people, I pray with blindness. And he did, and they were. Just like Elijah said, no rain, and there was no rain. Then Elisha says, open their eyes, verse 20, and they were open, just like Elijah had said, let there be rain, and it rained. Do you hear the sound of the rain? Before there was rain. Do you see the cloud before it's coming? That was a whole study with Elijah, right? And the lesson from Elijah, the predecessor to Elisha, was the book of James tells us that he was a man with a nature like us, and he prayed this way, and God heard his prayers, and that we're to pray the same way. The church, that's the amazing story about Elijah when he prayed no rain, rain for three and a half years that the Holy Spirit tells us in the New Testament, in case you think that's just something like really special for this super prophet in the Old Testament, it's not. It's for you, church, of Jesus Christ in every generation. That's our example to wake up and have believing faith and prayer spiritually that rain, no rain, blinded, opened. Now, that's what he had for Elijah. That's what he had for Elisha. Who knows what he has for you? But we need to be, to believe spiritually. We need to believe spiritually what Jesus says, and we need to take it seriously. Let me read this passage from Gospel of John. Chapter 14, when Jesus said, on the way, the truth, and the life, he went on to say some other things after that. He said, you should believe because of the works. If you had known me, Philip said, show us the Father. And said, if you had known me, you would know, you'd seen the Father, and so on and so forth. Have I not been with you so long, Philip? He who sees me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And he who has seen me has seen the Father, or believe the works because they confirm the Father, believe we're one and the same. But then in verse 12, he says something amazing. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Now, that's not limited to the apostles. Plus, the apostles were to make disciples, teaching, them exact, teaching the church the exact same things they've been taught. Just so you know that, right? To go make disciples, teaching them all things I taught you. So whatever Jesus taught the apostles is for us, the church. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, or she. This is the part... I haven't quite figured it out in 61 years so far, but I hope to before I see eternity. And, and greater works these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That is, like, don't read over that in a hurry. Like, that's 
You know, that's, that's in a, this is a promise. So I'll read it again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. He opened the eyes of the blind, raised the dead, made the lame walk, deaf to see, or deaf to hear, blind to see, all those things and many more. Greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So if the supernatural of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus are not happening in and through our life, I'm not just talking to WGM, looking in the mirror at myself and the body of Christ in 2022 right now. If the church is not doing the supernatural, it's not because it's not availed to us or promised to us. Because Jesus promises to the church. If this isn't happening, it's because I'm distracted or I don't care enough. But if I'm not distracted and I do care enough, maybe these things will happen. What could be greater than having this happen? To lose our life and find it in Christ and give up temporal carnal things for eternal glorious things. This is a promise. If we come here to worship the Lord with Scott Cunningham leading us in worship, to partake of communion together in his memory, the Lord's memory of what he's done, we need to believe this. We need to believe this promise. Now, I've read this promise. Of all the promises in the New Testament, in 35 years of ministry, this one always gets my attention. Like, Now, I've seen some very supernatural things happen with the Lord. But I don't want to live off the resume from the 90s or the first couple years of worship generation with Jeremy Camp and Phil Wickham when they're teenagers or something. I want to find supernatural in 2023 and crank it up another level. Which I hereby amen, you do too. I might be fading the outward man, but my inward man can get a whole lot stronger in this fourth quarter. And so can your inward woman and your inward man. Though the outward's perishing, the inward's being renewed daily, and we can go from glory to glory. And I, yes. Also in Matthew's gospel with the fig tree when Jesus cursed it, he cursed the fig tree that last week, and then it, it withered. And the apostles were like, wow, this is amazing. Jesus like, you think it's amazing? I tell you, if you believe, you can say this mountain be moved, and it will be moved. That's what he said to them. Now, it might seem hyperbole to move mountains, but the intent of what Jesus was saying was absolute. Then, in John's latter part of his life, he writes in 1 John that we would have confidence in prayer, knowing that whatever we ask according to his will, he hears our prayer, and we have the petition we asked. So all the more reason to know the will in the heart of the Father every day by being in his word. Because the more we know his will and his purposes, the more we can pray confidently in agreement with what he wants to do. I don't want to just read these promises at 61 and think like, oh, that's pretty cool. I want to read these promises and go like, I want to see that before I step into eternity. They're the spiritual eyes. Now, the last thing we see is the act the action of spirituality. So we have to see spiritually, to believe spiritually, and to act spiritually. And if that's, that's like the, the most amazing thing about this story. I just love how, like, you know, <laughs> poor Jehoram, do we kill him? What do I do? You know, like, we execute him? It's war and all. You know, it's like, what is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with you? You're going to feed him, and give him water, you're going to throw him a banquet. Now listen, this is where the kingdom of God is so different than the kingdom of men. 
you look at human wars and even the ones we got going on right now, nobody's capturing anyone else and throwing them a banquet and sending them home with blessings. But if we did, how different might things be? See, proactively and reactively, our actions are to reflect a spiritual kingdom. Now, our flesh might want a different action. Our pride might want a different action. But the Holy Spirit working in us, Christ in us, hope of glory, is going to proactively and reactively seek spiritual action. Faith without works is dead, the book of James tells us, and the works of faith is life. And the great distinction between the church and the world, which most of us know, we know know intellectually, but maybe the Holy Spirit will minister a bit more to our heart right now. It is spiritual. It is spiritual. So we need to respond spiritually. The wrath of man or woman produces not the righteousness of God. And a soft answer turns away wrath. And the more that we can just diffuse and de-escalate things, the better. See, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, you've heard it's this, and an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you this. See, if you go tit for tat, it's just always tit for tat. But when you feed your enemies and send them home with a blessing, shalom, shalom, those raiders never came back. Now, you could do that, and those raiders could come back. So let's just address that. And so what? Isn't everything the Lord's anyways? If the raiders come back after you fed them and sent them home with peace, is, that's between you and the Lord more than is between you and the raiders, isn't it? If someone's always plundering you and you bless them and you, you pronounce blessings on them and they plunder you again, that's really between you and the Lord. God can strike them down dead. He can make them go plunder someone else or just go to another country or give back everything they took. God can make them do anything. It's never about the raider from Syria. It's about the heart with the Lord and how you deal with the Syrians. That's always going to be the issue. And that's what we do have control over. There's a lot of things we have no self-determination over concerning raiders from Syria, but there's a lot we do have over concerning how we respond to raiders from Syria and how we treat them. Now, these these sound like big words in the pulpit, but these are truthful words, and I do speak the words of truth. Absolute truth. The church exists to show mercy. The disciple exists to show mercy. The church exists to show grace. The disciple exists to show grace. That's who we are. The church exists to show forgiveness, to show forgiveness, because Jesus shows forgiveness. In the Sermon on the Plain, uh, P-L-A, I-N, like a flat area, Luke chapter 6. The Sermon on the Mount and Plain are similar, but they're different in some ways. But Jesus said this in chapter 6. The whole chapter is the Sermon on the Plain, but I want to read this to us. I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also, and from him who takes away your cloak and withholds your tunic, do not withhold your tunic either. Give everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away the goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do, you do also them likewise. That's a key thing. That's the golden rule almost of all world religions, by the way. You do also them likewise. That's something that God put in humanity. That whole sowing and reaping, karma, juju, as you sow, so you shall reap. There it is right there. You proactively do things and they'll come back to you. It's like gravity. It's how the universe works with or without Jesus, actually, but particularly for the disciples of Christ. Verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For every 
Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. And I'll give you the bonus text, 37 and 38. Judge not lest you be judged. Condemn not, lest you should not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom, your chest. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It is not always easy to forgive, but it is always right to forgive, and there will always be a blessing in it. And we don't have enough life to live, enough time to live life, to be bitter and malicious toward anyone, of course. And if you've ever been embittered or malicious toward anyone, you know it kills you. It doesn't kill them. It kills you. And even the most worst things that can happen in the human experience, we have to learn to forgive and make that an offering to the Lord for all eternity. We have to see the chariots of fire above the army of Ben-Hadad and the Syrian raiders and what they take. We have to do it. It's not optional. In fact, when Jesus is teaching on his, how to pray, he said, for if you do not forgive men's sins, nor will your father forgive your sins. He gives you a bonus. He gives us a bonus thought on that to us. The one who steps into eternity with no malice in forgiving others is the woman and the man who is triumphant in this experience that we call life. And it's not an easy thing to do. But when you have faith looking into Jesus, when you believe in him for his promises and you trust in the Lord with all your heart, that's how you will find the ability to do that. That is how we'll find the ability to show mercy to those who came to take from us. There was a great lesson for Jehoram to learn here, but he didn't learn it. In fact, he curses Elisha later on in the chapter because they came back and he blames him for it. He never learned. The carnal man, the natural man, never learns the lessons, but God's not working so much in the carnal, the natural. He's working in us, the spiritual. He wants us to be spiritually minded in how we see things, how we believe things, and how we act. We're to be spiritually minded, be kingdom minded. And I would just say this in closing as I think about this. Now more than ever in my entire life, I realize these two, these multiple dimensions are running together at all times. They truly are. And Jesus says that we have abundant life when we put our trust in him. We have eternal life when we put our trust in him. So when we wake up as followers of Christ, from the youngest to the oldest, from the children to the elderly, in memory care, whatever, and and we're following Christ, we're born of his spirit, we're, we're being transformed from glory to glory, we're in time, space, and matter. And we might be in kindergarten with a kindergarten faith in the Lord, like childlike faith. We might be in college and standing up for our faith with a a mature intellectual faith amongst scoffers and mockers. And we might have this faith, and we might have the faith, again, being in memory care. We forget things, and we get fuzzy, and then we realize when someone comes in place, I could sing your love forever, that we can, and we belong to the Lord, right? And, And all that that's going on, we're in time, space, and matter, but really, the real abundant life is to know that we're in eternity. We're already in eternity, if our sins are forgiven past, present, and future, which they are promised they are, then we've passed from death to life, and we're in eternity. Eternity is in us, and we have the abundant life working in and through us as we're living in this life of time, space, and matter. And that abundant life has given us the joy that's unspeakable and the joy that can't be taken from us. Rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say always rejoice in the Lord. We have it. 
And we live in it and we walk in it and we apply it and we have the eternal life working in us. So the outward woman's perishing, but the inward woman's being renewed. She's dying outwardly, but she's being prepared inwardly for the kingdom. The dimensions are together. We're in time, space, and matter like this, but at the same time, the eternal is over us, the spiritual and the eternal like that. And wise and fruitful is the man or woman who wakes up, seeks the Lord, abides in Christ, seeks the things of Christ, demonstrates the things of Christ, because we're just walking like Peter on water. That's what it's like. And if the Herod comes to our head like James, we lose our head. God says, your head's gone, your time is done. If Herod comes to the head of Peter and says, your time, God says, this time's not done. He sends the angels and you walk out the gate and off you go for another decade of your life to be lived for the glory of Christ. He's not done until he says he's done. This dimension is over this one. So the more we set our mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth, whatever we hold on the earth, it's not got a hold of us. We rule over it because it belongs to the Lord. And we're fruitful and we're faithful and we keep growing and we keep sowing and we go to glory. And when the Lord comes to us, it's, it's triumphant. This is the kingdom. It is spiritual. See it, believe it, be it in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.